I connected with Aaron McHugh as we were both interviewed for a segment on Pickleball for CBS Saturday Morning. Aaron is an author who wrote Pickleball is Life, the complete guide to feeding your obsession. I know I have one. The book covers everything you need to know about the game with a bit of humor and wisdom for both the new and experienced players. Let's get to the intro to hear from Aaron. Welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, where it's all about pickleball. Today, I would like to welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, Aaron McHugh. How are you doing today, Aaron? I'm doing great, Lynn. I'm so happy to be here with you virtually anyway. Absolutely. I, I haven't interviewed very many people in person for the podcast, just one so far. So you are actually in the major, majority. <laughs> but what I will do here is I normally do get started with a little bit of, of your pickleball background, how you got started playing and how long ago that was. Okay. I'd say it was about, I think it was three or four years now ago, and I had never heard of it. And a friend of mine said, oh, so-and-so is getting a bunch of people together to play in, it was sort of a, a community space. And we're, and we're gonna, she's going to teach us about playing pickleball. And I said, well, what's that? And she said, I don't know, come on over. And so I did. And, and the woman who was sort of leading the fray said, well, I know some of the rules. I sort of know it. And we're going to, and I taped some lines down, but really the room is too small, but you know what? No one cared. And we all had a ball and it was probably fun and it stuck with me, but really we didn't have any places to play really here where I am on the South coast in Massachusetts. And then we found that the indoor tennis courts would put aside some tape down some courts just a few times a week. So we started doing that because winter was coming on. And then we started trying to cobble together places to play in the community, which continues. And once I got started, of course, I couldn't stop because now it just seems to be pickleball is life to me. And then, as you've heard a thousand times before, came COVID. And I'm lucky enough to live sort of in the country. But people were just so frightened all the time. And we found that in the court that I built right nearby me, families felt like they could, who were living together in their homes, could come out and play privately and and have a good time. And uh, even after just maybe a, a couple of months into COVID, when everybody was still really scared, though, Lynn, we thought, well, let's see if we can go out. And we'll wear masks. That lasted about three minutes. And But we did for a long time wash off the balls with sanitizer before and after we played, thinking that we'd be six feet apart. But I have to say, as I'm sure you've heard before, in those really terrifying times, to be able to go outside and forget about everything that was happening for an hour, an hour and a half was a savior. Right. And that is interesting because it sounds like we started playing pickleball about the same time, three, four years ago before the pandemic. And I was in a little bit different situation where I was very conservative and I actually did not play pickleball at all for a year. And but that gave me the opportunity to start the Pickleball Fire podcast and the magazine. So it's always amazing how things do work out. And I know for you, 
and I, the reason that we actually connected was we both recently were on a segment about pickleball for CBS Saturday morning. Dana Jacobson talked to both you and I and interviewed us. And actually I had a chance to play with Dana and teach her the game, but she talked to you a little bit for a different reason. So tell me what that was all about. Well, you had the teaching part and believe me, she did pretty good for the first time out. I could hardly believe it. But I have just written a book which comes out tomorrow, which is November 1st, and it's called Pickleball is Life. And the subtitle is The Complete Guide to Feeding Your Obsession. Because I think we both know, (laughs) I think since you have a podcast and a magazine, you are also obsessed and of course love to play as well. And there were some books out there, but they were mostly rules and regulations. And I wanted to write a really fun book that was as fun as pickleball is. So it's um it's a it's sort of a gifty book and it's filled with four color illustrations, perfect size for a sock stocking stuffer. And it is sort of half source book and half humor. So it's got a little bit of everything in it. That's right. And I have a copy of it and it's a beautifully illustrated and written book. And there's a number of different sections because I, I would imagine your audience for this is probably pretty broad. So give us an idea of kind of what those sections are. I will. And it's interesting when you say pretty broad, I think still so many people think that it is your grandparents' sport and they they have to play down at the villages in Florida. But the average age of a pickleball an hour is 38 and falling. So it really is a wide range of people and the kind of stuff they want to do and the kind of time they want to put into it. And they either, some of them, so many of them are just beginning. But I do a lot of, I go through a lot of stuff. I I talk a little bit about the demo paddle programs because, for example, there's not a lot of places, it's not like going to a tennis club and letting them try where they let you try tons of different kinds of rackets until you find what you like. There aren't so many pickleball clubs that you might belong to, and there aren't so many in the sporting goods stores. So a lot of places will let you borrow one for 30 days, return them. You get some you get some money off if you keep one, something like that. And there I have also a segment on accessories. I have a segment on what I call the Opera Pickle Life, which is drinks and snacks including how to make a cornichon martini. A lot of things like a, a section on the, the, something that almost everybody I hear, I think hears the very first day go out, which is there's no sorry in pickleball. Because when you start, of course, every minute, we're a society that says we're sorry all the time, even if we don't mean it. So if you're missing all these shots and somebody's trying to teach you, it's a lot of sorry. And somebody, it takes a lot of weight off your shoulder to know about there's no sorry in pickleball. I have a section on different kinds of games you can play, how to do a DIY court, some of the quirky rules and the lingo. It's it's a lot of different kinds of stuff. And I think my favorite part, I'd have to say, Lynn, is I was, we've all read articles and all over the place about how pickleball started in Bainbridge Island outside of Washington and with three dads. And But I was lucky enough to locate two of the kids, as I call them, but they're my age. They're in their 60s. 
Allison Wood Bell, uh, sorry, Allison Bell Wood, who is Bill Bell's daughter, and Frank Pritchard, who is Joel's son. And I got to interview them. And it was fascinating and very, just terrific to talk to them. They're such great stewards for the sport. And they are, they're just amazed at what has happened to the sport. And they, their parents are long gone, their dads are gone. But I think mostly they just think how much their dads would get a kick out of what pickleball has turned into. I love that. And one of the things I was curious about is the title of the book. And actually, there's a title and there's a subtitle. Mm-hmm. And again, the title is Pickleball is Life. Why did you name the book that? It says, obviously, it says, well, partly a joke. But, you know, I do play pickleball every day. I'd like to play twice if I can. Once in a while, I play three times a day. But that means that a visiting nurse has to come over and pry me off the couch to go into the kitchen and cook dinner. So it becomes, it does become an obsession. So I'm lucky enough to be retired at this point. So pickleball is a lot of my life and arranging to, to get everybody together is another part of it. So it's a joke, but it's not. It's, it's one of the most fun parts of my life for sure. No, I have to say, it sounds like you play a lot more than I do and for various reasons, but certainly when it comes to kind of the subtitle, The Complete Guide to Feeding Your Obsession, can we ever play too much pickleball, do you think? Well, I suppose you could if you're going to injure yourself or if you're if you're just not paying attention to the rest of your life, which also needs to happen, like anything. You know? Let's make it an obsession and not an addiction, I guess, is what we would say. That is a good point. Now, my background is as a sports psychologist, and there's some situations where, you know, competitive athletes do get addicted to a sport or working out, and it can be a negative thing, but it I guess once you get to that point, even in pickleball, if you are getting injuries because you're playing too much, it would fall into that category. But otherwise, it seems like it's probably one of the more healthy obsessions that you can have. I think so. And also, I mean, I think we find it when you talk to people about pickleball, what they find right away is it's so it's a, I mean, it's very competitive, but it's a little laid back. There's a lot of laughing. It's really funny. It's really fun. People are more apt to play up and play down than they may with different players than they may in another sport. I found that also when you love pickleball, you become a little bit of a missionary. Lynn, you want everybody to be having the same amount of joy and fun that you're having. Absolutely. And I know that is the case for so many people. Now, one of the things that you had mentioned, too, when you were talking about the different sections of the book is you even have a recipe for a martini. Now, I'm a huge martini fan. So can you just shed a little light on that for everybody in case somebody else listening to the podcast is in terms of what was the name of the martini and what actually goes into it? Yeah, it's a Cornichon martini. So actually, I've got the recipe right here. So get out your pencils. It's two and a half ounces of gin or vodka, a half an ounce of dry vermouth, unless you like it very dry, of course, 
a half an ounce of the cornichon brine. So a cornichon, as you know, those tiny little pickles they serve you with a sandwich. So when you get them in the jar, you're going to pour in a little bit of the juice from the jar. And two cornichons on a, a little stick, a little skewer. And put it in a nice little old-fashioned martini glass. And it couldn't look prettier. Got a little green tinge. So, I mean, the thing about pickleball is also when it's over, you sort of don't want it to be over. So why not sit down and have a couple of, maybe a couple of drinks, a peanut butter and pickle sandwich, maybe a little salami roll up with cream cheese and horseradish and pickle. There's all kinds of stuff you can do. I have to admit, I really like that idea for a martini because (laughs) I'm somebody who I don't really like olive juice in my martini, but pickle juice, that might be something I try here pretty soon. You try it right in your home. Now you know and you have the recipe in the book. Awesome. Now, tell me a little bit about, I know pickleball, you said the average age now is 38 of players. It's certainly a book that could be for any any age for the most part. Is there, are you kind of gearing the book mostly towards people who are thinking about getting into the game, just getting into the game, or more experienced players? I think, I hope, Lynn, that people will say a little bit of both, because I do give, I mean, I would never say you have to use this kind of paddle, it's the best. But I try to give some information on what you want to look for in a paddle and what things are important to you if you're looking for control or power, or if you're brand new or... So I hope that really what I'm promoting is the enjoyment of it. I mean, I've I've taught a couple of kids who are 15, and I play with a man who's 92. So it's I find that the age doesn't matter. And here's a funny thing. I find that, okay, I'm 70. When I play with people in their 30s, and I, I, I don't claim to be a 5-0 player. I claim to be only an obsessed person. So when, but when I play with people who are in their thirties, I'm telling you, they're pretty miffed that somebody older than that much older than they are can beat them at this. And so that's sort of interesting. And what I also find interesting is I don't find the, I don't want to call it sexism, but I don't find that people mind when you go to an open play in a town court or something like that. People don't mind if you're playing with men and women together. Nobody says, no, I only will play with four men. I'm only going to play with four women. It says ragtag a a sport as it started out to be in that way. People just want to, they just want to play. And that actually brings me to your section on etiquette. And there's some do's and don'ts that you mentioned. And to start with, I just kind of want to focus on some of the don'ts, because I mean, you mentioned right there that when you're playing with the the 20-somethings or the 30-somethings and you're a 60-something or 70-something, then, you know, they they don't seem to mind. And that's actually one of the things that you have in terms of your don'ts for the etiquette is don't be a poor loser. Right. And don't be a poor winner. <laughs> but yeah. Good but, point. You know, here's the thing about being a poor loser. Because one of the, I think, hallmarks of the game is the fun. Being a poor loser brings everybody down. And I tell you, it won't take long until you just don't get asked back. You know, and being a poor winner who is always lording it over everybody that they won is also annoying. 
But I don't know if you have found this too, Lynn. I play with a lot of people who have been, are still tennis players, have been playing very well for many years, or former tennis players. And let's say they play in a foursome and they have for 20 years, and one of those people in the foursome is their best friend. They'll say to me on the side, she's my best friend, but I cannot stand playing tennis with her. She's so competitive and she's, and it's no fun. And But now, of course, now you're in it. You've been in the same foursome for 20 years. You're stuck. But then they'll, the next thing they'll say is, now that she plays pickleball, it's an entirely different thing. There's laughing. There's fun. It's much more laissez-faire. It's a, it's a, a funny it's a funny thing that happens. Have you found that at all? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's actually funny because I was helping out a reporter from the Wall Street Journal, the Journal podcast. And he's like, hey, Lynn, will you record some sounds of pickleball? So we might use that in the segment. And I'm like, sure, no problem. So I did. I recorded some audio. I listened to it, and it sounds so differently than if you're playing tennis. I mean, there's just absolutely no comparison. Right. Exactly. And there's the fun trash talking and stuff like that. Of course, you've always got to read your room, and because you want because you want to be asked back. That's the bottom line. I, a friend of mine said to me recently, and I thought that's me all over. So she says, "I know this sounds weird, but when I get home, all I can think about is what am I playing again and who with who." So you just want to always, we always want to know when's the next bit of fun. Absolutely. One thing that is not fun, and it's actually a point in, of, in your etiquette section for don'ts, lob a ball behind a restricted player. Can you explain what that means? Because I think this is kind of a really good point. I'm going to speak to this, and this isn't even restricted. I'm finding that a lot of people I play with are in their 60s or older. I'm not going to run backwards anymore. It's just, I'm not going to do it. I Hopefully, I have a partner who's going to run behind me and pick up a lob that I might miss. But if somebody is got some stability issues, if they have some mobility issues, if they are maybe just, say, let's say, I don't care what age they are, if they're not in the shape they've been in before, if they've got a bad knee, whatever. Let's try to play fair. This is supposed to be a lot of fun. Don't continually hit a shot that they can't get and may cause them some harm. Very good advice. So that means, okay, audience out there, you cannot lob over me because I have bad knees. <laughs> and you can lob over me because now you know all of you, oh, I'm not going to run backwards. <laughs> right. Now, I'm curious. Have you authored a book before Pickleball? And uh, if not, how did you decide to write one? Yes, I have. This is, I think, actually book number 31 for me. I've written a lot of books. I write about, I write humor books and uh, inspirational books and LGBT books and history books and it's uh, sort of all over the place. And the, the, I just wanted to write about a, a book about Pickleball, as I say, because I didn't see anything out there that sort of brought the joy to to people that I thought this book could. And hopefully it's it's turned out, I'm very happy with the way it turned out. As you very kindly said, it looks really good. And and it's a lot of fun. And I wanted I wanted something that could be a great gift to anybody who's played. But you know, already I'm hearing people say, oh, 
of course, everybody wants, that's the thing. You want to get all your friends playing. So people are saying, I'm going to buy six. I'm going to buy 10. I'm going to get everybody who I play bridge with to play. I'm going to get my all my wife and my wife's friends to play. So this is what I love. I love just sharing the fun of it. Nice. And I have to applaud you for writing 31 books. Does that mean you're going to be writing? I'm sure you're going to be writing another book, but are you going to be writing another book on pickleball? Oh, from your mouth to God's ear, Lynn. (laughs) I hope so. I'd love to. All right, then. So the book is coming out. I think you said tomorrow. Of course, this podcast will probably not air for a few weeks. It will definitely be out by the time the podcast airs. So where can people find it and buy it? You can buy it at bookstores anywhere, of course, online as well. Anywhere books are sold should have it, or I better know the reason why. (laughs) Published by uh, Harvest Books, which is a division of HarperCollins. So they'll get it out everywhere. Awesome. Well, great. Erin, anything else that we should know before we finish up the Pickleball Fire podcast? I don't think so, Lynn, except to remember that pickleball is life. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Lynn, very much. Thank you for listening to the Pickleball Fire podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes.